All right, welcome to another episode of the Empowerment Perspective Podcast. I go by the name of Demiso Jose, alongside the lovely... Stacey Sanderson. How are we doing, Stacey? Doing well. How are you? I would be doing better, but I have learned my lesson that I have to (laughs) stop making bets with you. Um, And maybe the Eagles will actually lose this week. So I'm not going to make that bet this time. You don't have to make bets with me. Just don't make bets against the Eagles and you'll be fine. I really want you to take control of this podcast, though. That's where I'm coming from. So how about this? If the Cowboys win today, they play Green Bay. It's tough. We're going to leave the Eagles out of this. All right. If the Cowboys win, you got the next podcast. That's a deal. Go um, Aaron Rodgers. All right. So hopefully we can put Aaron Rodgers on the sideline for a little bit and get this W today. Uh, last time, I want to thank Raisin Druitt. Um, she's doing well. Um, she is a little fender bender after our podcast. So, Raisin, if you're listening to this, get well quickly. Um, but we did talk about um, the law of attraction with Raisin uh, last week. What do you think about that podcast and this concept of the law of attraction? Well, first of all, I think she's an amazing young lady. I think that she really knows what she wants, and to have that in that age is phenomenal because some kids just aren't there yet. So you should be extremely proud of your, your goddaughter. I must say granddaughter, sorry. Goddaughter. I'm not that old yet. <laughs> the guests that we have today might be that old, but I'm not that old yet. But um, I, I agree with you with the exception of the relationship piece. I think we need to fix that. But Her, uh, her relationship idea? Yeah, her idea. Of having an age on that wedding and right, yeah that right. but that'll come i mean that'll come with time I, I guess if you say so um we did talk about vision boards and my father made a comment on the um website about vision boards and he i guess this is his first time of hearing a vision board um it did make me want to go back and change my vision board i'm haven't got to the point yet where i'm actually cutting the pictures out and all that stuff yet but i am going to revisit it and um hopefully set some new goals and things how's your vision board going it's going. I haven't cut anything out yet, but I have everything written down that I want to look for. And then I also decided that I'm going to do one with at least my two older kids and try just, even if it's two or three things that they can put on there for right now, something mm-hmm. tangible for them to see mm-hmm. and to shoot for. My little one, she's all over the place, so she doesn't need a vision board. Her dreams, I mean, she acts <laughs> on it now. That's awesome. I saw a video on Facebook of your daughter dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Did she get that from her mother? Maybe just the face she makes, but not the rhythm. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty bad, but she's got rhythm, I don't. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, please continue to leave your comments and questions on the website. Uh, but we have a special guest in the building today, um, somebody that I consider a dear friend of mine. Um, I work with him in Egg Harbor Township, um, former teacher. Um, amongst other things, he has a show, which I'm going to let him talk about. But I would like to welcome Mr. Gary Monteroso to the show. Thanks thank for coming. Thank you. Demisa, thank you so much, Stacy, for having me here today. I very much appreciate it. Definitely um, a pleasure. Uh, this you. is going to be an interesting podcast, I promise you that. Uh, and we're going to be dry. No no, no beer in the show, right? <laughs> no beer. No, we're going to be drinking water today. This water right now. We'll, we'll bring out the beer when the game starts, but not, not right now. Um, but Gary, you have a show called What's on Tap. Um, can you give a little description of what that show is about? Absolutely. What's on Tap is a show that currently is produced by SNJ Today out of Millville, New Jersey. A uh, company that's been in existence for about, I guess, about five years, doing nightly newscasts, which is uh, now really exploding, taking off. We hired a lot of the NBC40 personnel mm-hmm. in order to get that South Jersey market coming in. Yeah. But in terms of uh, what's on tap, it's kind of spun off as a as a as an internet show that I did called "Still Crazy After All These Beers." <laughs> and Paul Simon, thank you for not suing us. <laughs> we really appreciate that. But. We started as an internet radio show for about three or four months, and then the company came to me and said, we'd like to add the TV portion of it 
do the mix, what do you think? And I said, well, I'd be honored, thank you. So they bought a used bar, which mm -hmm. they use as our set, and I'm using a co-host. My co-host is Tara Nuren, who, uh, geez, has experience at Comcast and now writes for Forbes, among other publications. She's traveling all over the place. Sometimes I think she's in witness protection. <laughs> I can never catch up with the girl. But it's true. The show's doing well. We're on, uh, currently we're on two TV stations, SNJ Today 22 out of Cumberland County and also WMGM. Right which covers much of southern New Jersey, but that relationship, the relationship with MGM is changing. It's going to be severed in about a month because MGM was again sold. Mm -hmm. So we're looking to expand our footprint, and I believe by the first of the year we'll probably be in all of southern New Jersey, up, up, above, Trenton, into Philadelphia, and maybe as far as Reading. Oh, that's awesome. Down south is just a little bit past Dover, Delaware. Right, right. So we'll be hitting three million homes. Awesome. Well, this podcast, we're going to talk about opportunity, and I want to get into um, when you first started that journey into, oh. into what's on tap and things of that nature. But let's just talk about the transition, because I know <laughs> um, you went from being an educator, and then you kind of were doing this uh, what's on tap back and forth, um, and now you're in a space where I guess you're doing that full-time, that now you're a retired educator, and sort of, I mean, you're still teaching people, I'm sure. Um, it's just in your blood, but you're making that transition into that, that particular career. But um, you went from the internet radio thing to TV. Mm -hmm. Talk about that transition. Like, did you, did you find it to be um, difficult? Was it awkward being in front of camera? Um, I know you, I know the answer to this question, <laughs> but I'm just trying to get the people to understand. Sure, sure, sure. Actually, no, it wasn't awkward because I had done some TV. Um, I will say to you that my first TV experience was not the most um, smooth run in terms of how my performance was. I was nervous as all heck. I really was. Um, and that was on PBS. Mm -hmm. And it was a live show, as a matter of fact. So live. <laughs> it was very intimidating at Listen, the time. Listen, don't, don't say that because we're trying to do a live podcast. You're scared Stacey you. I'm not scared. But I, I... Just even going back to the first one we did, just the yeah. fear of this being in front of me. So I can't even imagine having a camera and then live. That's. It was a bit intimidating at first. Yeah, exactly. But I got used to it, and then I ended up doing some other guest spots, which were pre-recorded, thank goodness. <laughs> and I enjoyed it. But let's face it to me. So when the station came to me and said, we're going to go HD, this is not a face for HD. So I tried to surround myself with good-looking guests, you see, such as you. Oh, thank you. For example. Right. Appreciate that. My mother said the camera only takes what it sees. So, listen, it is what it is. I think you're handsome. Oh, if that counts for you. That makes one of us. Thank you. <laughs> so we're talking about opportunity. Um, one of the first things I want to talk about is, one, recognizing opportunity when it presents itself, and how do you take advantage of those things. Um, so, Stacy, this... I know we talked about off-air, we are talking about this podcast and taking about the opportunity. Can you just walk everyone through the process that you went through and why you chose to be a part of this lovely podcast? Well, I don't think I recognized the right opportunities that had come along for a while. So I jumped on many work-at-home things and I thought, this is going to be my saving grace, this is going to be what helps my family. But I didn't have the right perspective going into it. I was looking at it as easy money mm -hmm. or whatever. and. When you don't have passion about something, it's not going to go anywhere. So it, it fizzled out after a few months, and I kind of just put everything on the shelf. Like, I'm just going to do the stay-at-home mom thing. When my kids go back to school, I'm going to substitute teach. That's going to be my top line. I can't go any further than that. I was really pushing myself down, and I kind of turned off all ideas coming in. Mm -hmm. um, how you and I got to, get to this <laughs> point was you had made a post on Facebook about if you wanted a true assessment of yourself, look at your children. And it was a little more in-depth than that. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to you and asked if I could share that on my little blog page. So we started talking a little bit. And when you called me, 
and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this podcast. Would you be interested? My first response was, no, 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 thanks. But I didn't say that. And you told me to think about it for a little bit and take some time. And I decided that I'm just going to say yes on the phone now. Because mm -hmm. if I gave myself that time, I would have come up with too many reasons why I shouldn't do it. Gary, how about you in terms of just opportunities in general? Um, you can talk from an education perspective or from your other career. Like, how do you recognize opportunities and what made you want to, mm. to leap in that direction? That's curious, yeah. I was mentioning to Stacy prior to the start of this podcast that um, as I got, I, well, it, let's talk about the writing and the beer part of it. I was writing for a, uh, a newspaper reviewing beer festivals, which I think was read by maybe 25 people. You know, kind of like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to crawl before you walk it off. <laughs> I recall that. And I really got a kick out of doing that. And, you know, you start to network yourself. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, if you're doing a good job and people recognize that, maybe other opportunities will open for you. Sure. And I was mentioning to Stacy, you know, I would knock on 10 doors and nine people would tell me to get lost and one would let me in. Well, in 25, 26 years, those numbers have reversed mm -hmm. pretty much. For me, the biggest thing was fear. Hmm. I was afraid of rejection. Hmm. And then I realized that fear is just an acronym. Hmm. You know, fear could stand for, um, you know, forget everything and run, F-E-A-R, or face everything and rise. And huh. I opted for the latter. Huh. <laughs> okay. Very interesting. Huh. So I, I realized that the word no didn't hurt me. Right, right. No, it was business and it wasn't a personal thing. Right, right. I think a lot of people are afraid of that word no and, and fear, but if they realize that you really are going to end up in the same, either going to end up in the same spot that you are right now or you're going to win. Exactly. So you really don't have anything to lose. Um, so I've learned to just ask. The worst thing you can say is no, all right, I'm back in the same spot that I am right now. Exactly. Say yes, then there's another opportunity that hopefully presents itself. Uh, for me, I, I look at my value system. We talked about values in the previous podcast, and that kind of determines how I go about looking for opportunity. I'm, I'm, I'm all constantly looking for opportunities. This podcast is an example of this. I didn't have a dream to have a podcast. It wasn't in, on my vision board. It wasn't any of those things. But then I saw there was a space and opportunity, and I saw Stacy's post, and I saw some of the things that she was doing, and it kind of lined up with my values. So I say, all right, there's a space for me to go in there and, and try it. Worst you can say is no. So I said, all right, let me ask her. And then thank God she said yes, and then we're going on this journey together. Mm -hmm. But I think well, a lot I of people. Thank God you asked me. So. Uh -oh. well. I feel good about that. Well, thank God, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of people are holding themselves back in terms of opportunities because of that fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. um, also, they're not looking at their value system and understanding that there's opportunities that are out there all the time. We just got to be in a space to recognize them, um, which is which is really, really crucial. Well, it goes back to that mindset. If you're in that negative <laughs> mindset, you're not going to even see opportunities coming your way. You're not mm -hmm. looking for them. And mm -hmm. they're not going to find you all the time. So you have to try to, to kind of flip that mindset first right? and actively look for them. They're not all going to come to you. Right. I think that also the key part that you hit on, it's not going to be perfect. Um, it may not be perfect. You're whatever opportunity that you vision having. Like, again, this podcast isn't perfect. It's by far perfect, but it's an opportunity that we, you know, we're going after. And I think a lot of people are waiting for that perfect opportunity. And it may never, ever come. Um, so when I get, when I can look through opportunities, lining up with my value system, I believe my gift is service and, and I just look for those areas. So I think it's fine, important to find what your gift is and what you feel your talent base is so that you can look for those particular opportunities. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot, Gary, and you may not be ready uh -oh. for this question. <laughs> I know what my response for you would be, Good. but what would you say that your gift would be? Boy. 
Wow, you think about that too, Stacy. Here's your next. What my gift would be. Uh, I love people. I love relating to people. Um, I think in the five, six years that you and I worked together, yeah. hopefully you saw that I really enjoy being with kids. I enjoy teaching, uh, the social interaction. For me, teaching was more than just being in the classroom and telling them, well, this is how Excel works and you know, do this and hit that key and so on. But it was the interpersonal relationship that I, I think created with the kids. I tried to anyway. I would be just as likely to high five them walking down the hall as anything else. Um, education to me was more than just being in the classroom. Mm -hmm. It's the whole thing. So I guess the fact that I love people, I love working with people and being with people, mm -hmm. is maybe the gift that I could share. I ran, I get, and I don't want to pat in the back for this, but a couple of weeks ago, I was driving to the supermarket. And there was a long entrance to the supermarket. And I happened to see an elderly man sitting on the corner holding up a sign that said, Homeless, please help. And cars just completely driving past him. On the way back, I bought him food. I bought a box of crackers. I bought him a juice drink. And I pulled over to the side of the road and gave it to him. Mm. Came up to my window and he said, thank you, sir. I'm going to be able to eat today. Now, was he really homeless? I don't know. And my neighbor saw me do that mm -hmm. and kind of read me out for it. He goes, don't you realize this guy's not homeless? He's just looking to get a buck. And I said to him, can I take that chance? Hmm. And I felt I couldn't take the chance. Right. Right. And what did it cost me? Five bucks. Right. <laughs> Big deal. Big deal. Right. Sure. And what if he really did need that? Huh. I think we have our faith in humanity story <laughs> right there. I think we jumped the gun there, but definitely that's it for this week. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, I don't know. No. You make a great, great point. Um, I don't that, think a lot of people have that opinion anymore about homeless and stuff like that. People mm -hmm. feel like they're out there sometimes just it's easier to panhandle than mm -hmm. to go to work. But like you said, it was a $5 gamble. Mm -hmm. it, that man ate, and you don't know whether that was his only meal for days. It, it's not up to us to to figure that out. Well, it's plus the plus generosity had, in your plus heart. Plus, he had an NY hat on, which means he, he likes the Yankees. So that was another. <laughs> that was another <laughs> no, we're not we're not talking about the other NY team. <laughs> <that you're laughs> right now. This was a Yankee hat. It wasn't a Matt hat or anything like that. So I think when he came over, he said, Yankees or Jay-Z, which is it? He goes, well, actually, both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. But that's one of the things I recognize about you, Gary, is that I, I do believe uh, that your gift is helping people and, and children. And I think that's a um, reflection of all the spaces that you're in. Even with what's on tap and the things that you're doing, you're, you're providing a service for people. Still educating. Right, you're still yes. educating. And to me, I, I always say that, you know, my gift of service, the vehicle that I'm in is irrelevant. Whether I'm an assistant principal, whether I'm on a podcast, whether I'm teaching, to me that's irrelevant. I just want to, to, to help the world. Um, and, and my mentality is I want to give the world um, so much that it feels like it can't live without me. Mm. Um, we talk about, um, Malcolm Gladwell has a book and he talks about the tipping point. And it is at the moment in, in a business where, you know, the floodgates open, you go from a fad to, you know, now you're a legit business. And I'm trying to get into that space, um, you know, through my opportunities and things where everything's a tipping point. And I think I'm almost at that point with the nonprofit now that we're international and hopefully things will happen to me in the educational field. Hopefully things will happen from the podcast. Um, but trying to move into spaces that, you know, the world feels like it needs me more than I, you know, I need the world, and I think you get you're getting to that point, and you have gotten to that point um, in terms of your your gift and the things that you you're, when you're moving and shaking and doing things of that nature. And I'm so happy to say, and I think you know this, but I'm going to be back in the classroom starting in January because Cumberland County College hired me to teach classes on beer appreciation. 
Really? That's a, where was that class when I went to college? Now, Maybe listen. you would have gone a little further. <laughs> Stacy, I don't know if ago. that would have been a good idea for you. Forty years ago, I used to have to sneak it into class, and now they're paying me to bring it. So I want you to know that. That's a class. I love it. I love it. I might go. I might be in your class. But that's going to be a trip for me. I'm really, really looking forward to it because it mm -hmm. combines things that I'm so passionate about. Mm -hmm. Being in the classroom and teaching, educating, mm -hmm. which as you said, I'm doing on the show, hopefully. And uh, the love of good beverage. Go. I've learned a lot from you on the show. I was in a... You learn how not to do things and you're incorporating them now into this. You make your podcast better than my show. <laughs> I guess. You want to put it that way. Uh, but I definitely did learn a lot from you. Stacy, let's talk about what you believe to be your gift. I know it's a tough question. You guys stole my answers. Well, I'm just on a smaller scale. I think that I definitely want to help people. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to take on the world yet, but that wouldn't be a bad <laughs> thing if it happened. But I'm, I'm happy if I just help one person out. And my, like I want my kids to be happy, but I also see the kids in school, and I want to bring them my best. Because you never know what's going on behind closed doors with kids, and I'm sure you guys have seen exactly. mm -hmm. way more than I have. So I just want to make sure that when I'm filling in, even for the day, that I'm not dropping the ball for their teacher and making sure that the kids but are Stacey, okay. What is your world? You don't have to when we say your world. Your world can consist of X number of people. It can. I mean, you've got to start at home. Yep. Okay. So Ooh, my well, home, let's not look there first. <laughs> you know, I don't want to say when I'm saying home. When I'm saying home. Okay. Now my home for 25 years was a Barber Township. Mm -hmm. So that was that were those were my people, the people that I'm relating to, plus my family and friends. You see, now that's changed. I'm no longer in a Barber Township, but I have in a sense, a different set of friends that I'm working with, but you start by reaching them or trying to reach them. Yeah, and I'm just stepping out of my physical home and going back out into the working world and stuff like that, but I definitely want to help as many people as I can. Mm -hmm. I may not be the best person to do it, but I want to at least try. I think you're selling yourself short. Well, I know. I'm, but we, all, we tend to do that, don't we? Absolutely. We tend to do that. Yeah. And, and, and she, not the to talk like you're not here, but <laughs> you make it sound like you don't bring things to podcasts and you always ask me questions and you don't know how much I've learned from you in the process. Really? <laughs> yeah, believe it or not. It's times when I'll, you know, I'll, we text a lot and, and things of that nature and so and I'll look at it and, and times I'm not even thinking about the podcast and it's like, oh, I need to get my stuff together because I don't want to let Stacey down. She's got all these things already listed and some things that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast in terms of the fundraisers and things of that nature. So uh, it, it kind of brings me back and say, okay, I need to make sure that, you know, I'm at 100% because I know that Stacy's on her game and I want to make sure that I'm 100%. But I feel exactly the same way because you are doing so many things. I mean, you're just everywhere at once. I don't know how you, we, we have the same 24 hours and you're getting so much more done than <laughs> I am that I feel like this is the one thing I'm doing outside of my family home that I need to invest more time in it to help you out. I mean, I feel like on the outside looking at it, I can see that it looks like I'm doing a whole lot, and people always say I'm taking on too much more than than I, you know, they think I can handle. But to me, I don't see it that way because again, it goes back to my value system and what I believe my gift is at, and and you know, helping people. And I just again, continuously, constantly looking for spaces to help people in any any way. So when I'm on the road, whether I'm speaking, whether I'm you know, in in the classroom teaching a history lesson or whatever, whether I'm visiting different places, every single day I just look for spaces to help people and and kind of just let God you know carry me to these different different places it's not like I'm overly you know stressed out and have to do all these things it's coming natural to me at this point so talk about that tipping point even within in myself I'm at a point where I was like all right well uh, I need to prepare for a podcast let me write some notes down and this just go off the top of my head it is what it is so um it's not it's just it's, a, it's about being organized and it's about living within your purpose 
Um, which brings me to my next point. <coughs> Excuse me. I think also people need to understand that what's in, it's important, what's in your toolbox, what's in your skill set that's going to allow you to seize opportunity and take you, you to the next level. Um, I'll share a short little story. I used to play video. I still play video games. I'm 40 years old. I still play video games. Yes, I know. But I used to play this game called Super Mario Brothers. And it was on Nintendo. And <laughs> I can, your own. We know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, all our viewers may not. Our listeners may not. But um, I was to play this game, and it had like 14 levels to it. And I always get to level 13, and I could never, ever beat this game. And I was like, why can't I beat this game? And I just put it down and stopped trying. Then I, it dawned on me. I realized that I was using the same tools and the same skills that I learned on level one, trying to beat level 14, and it just wasn't getting done. So I had to go back and try to resharpen my skills and things of that nature in order to get to the next level. <laughs> a lot of us are not in the position where we want in our life because we're still using tools that we used when we were 13, 14 years old as an adult. And that, you know, those skills are not, you know, those tools are not going to be good enough for us to get to that next level. So it sort of ties into the self-assessment piece analyzing what your skill set is and trying to find those areas where you lack and trying to build those areas so that you can move to that next level. So Gary, in your professional career, let's just talk about the TV show. Mm -hmm. what, what's, if someone's aspiring to be on television or in that industry, what are the, the, the necessary tools and skills that they need to acquire or, or have in order to be successful? Television, as you know, is a different animal than radio, first of all. and and. What I learned in doing the show for the last three years is, I guess, how to multitask a bit better because I may be interviewing you, Demiso, or you, Stacy, but I've, I've also got an eye geared toward the, the floor manager. You know, I've got to be cognizant of how much time I have for a segment, uh, when to go to commercial. Uh, you're gifted, you're blessed here doing a podcast because you're not married to the clock, right. as I mentioned. So I guess knowing the subject, being able to discuss a subject rationally mm -hmm. within a set time frame is so key. Mm -hmm. And again, the ability to take direction from so many different resources mm -hmm. you know, out there, being aware of that. That's it's a difficult thing. Absolutely. Ba yeah. Balancing it balancing is anyway. It. Yeah. Especially within that time frame and everything mm -hmm. moves so fast. Um, yeah. I mean, like, you know, we would create similar, yours is much more extensive now. You have such notes, so fantastic. I create. Again, a template, a floor plan as to what we're going to be doing, how many minutes we're going to be spending on this particular segment, the layout, blocking, blah, 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 what we're going to talk about. And my co-host, Tara Nuren, and I will get together during the course of the week and discuss that. Mm -hmm. These are the points we want to make. I'll create cliff notes, if you will, mm -hmm. and email them to her or she to me. And so we know the direction that the, that the interview is going to take. So mm -hmm. you guys are recognizing this. There's a lot of prep work. Mm -hmm. So as you said, the ability to organize oneself mm -hmm. before you ever go on camera. I say that when I go on camera, my work is over. Right. You know, yeah. the easiest part of my day is taping the show. Right. At this right. point, right. but it's prepping for it. Right. You know, contacting your guests and making sure X number of times you're going to show up. Here's the address. This is the time I need you there. Bring this. Don't wear green mm -hmm. because you're going to bleed into the background. <laughs> oh, you know the whole thing, right? right? So there's so, so much involved, and quite frankly, doing the show is a seven-day-a-week thing. Right, right. I, I look at those, those skills, and I also look at parenthood in the same way, and having that prep work for the day, and being organized, and, and, and getting your family ready for that particular day. Um, so I'm going to go into the, the Sanderson-Dick household. It is Monday morning. You're about to get chaos. You're about to get ready. For, actually, let's go to Sunday. Do you guys plan what your week's going to be out before? No. Or you just kind of no. just... Go with the we flow. fly by the seat of our pants all the time. Even when there is planes, we're still like 
running out the door with one shoe on, one shoe in our hand. I'm not great at organizing plants, and because there's always something that happens. So mm -hmm. some, if I make plants, I've done it where I've in detail, this is how things are gonna run this week. The first hour that we go, something throws a rod in it and we're already off mm -hmm. our schedule. So I've learned to try to just go with the flow a little bit. We make it to things on time, mm -hmm. most of the time. <laughs> most, most of the, the time. time. <laughs> but You were a little late today, but. Yeah, and I didn't have my little one today either, but. Now let me stop messing with you. Um, <laughs> let's just talk about, in terms of, of being a, a, you know, a mother and, and, and a, um, a wife, the, the skills and the tool set that you need to have to run a, a great family. Um, I want to go into the space because a lot of people that, that do listen um, have are single parents and are struggling to, um, you know, get their house in order. Never mind a relationship piece. Just talk about um, the skill set that you think parents need to have in order to have a, a functioning house. Even though it's crazy, your house may be, it's still, it's functioning. Your kids are healthy, you're happy, you know, everything's good. What are the skill sets that you think that um, parents should develop or have in order to be successful? Like Gary said, multitasking is a big one because with three kids and three things of homework and three sets of papers coming home, you're signing one, you're doing, you know, pre-algebra with one, I'm doing a one plus one with another one. Um, getting dinner ready, making sure all the doctor's appointments are done. Driving who's got band practice in the morning, who's got club after school. Mm. So it's a lot of stuff on your plate and sometimes you're doing two or three things at the same time. Not maybe doing them well, but you're doing them and they're getting done. Um, just being able to relax. I think some people are so tied to their schedules that they don't know really how to adjust when there's an audible call. You know, right when you're running out the door and one of them gets sick everywhere. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to take a step back sometimes, breathe, relax, and go with the flow. Um, so you answered a question that you asked me earlier about how do I go about doing all these things. You're doing the exact same thing as just within, you know, within your household. I'm, I'm multitasking when I'm out here running around acting crazy and, and doing these things. It's just I'm not I'm doing it also in my family, but my wife is the usually the one that takes the lead in that. But that same skill set is being brought out in, into, I guess we can call it the corporate world, if you will. Um, so, you know, parents have those skill sets. If anything, I think you're at an advantage more than anyone else that, you know, doesn't have those, that the ability to do that. Because you just naturally, it naturally kicks in. Like, you don't think about it. You just, all right, here's lunches, here's things, let's go, let's keep it moving. If you could take that same skill set and that same mentality and put it into any space that you want to do, whether it's on a football team, basketball team, corporate world, if you have that mentality, I think we all have this inner lion in us. I think that's where I sell myself short and other parents maybe do too because you don't, when you ask me for a particular skill, what skill do I have, you can't really put it into words because it's kind of, like you said, it's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. if, if I don't do it, nothing's going to get done. Right. So maybe I do sell myself short because I don't see it in the grand scale. And things are not perfect, you know. As much as we say you know, we're multitasking and doing A, B, C, D, and E, things fall through the cracks. And I had that happen to me last night. I was going through old emails, i got to mention this, and I got a contact from a brewer in Pennsylvania. I was supposed to email him on September 28th to give him a date to come on the show. I just forgot to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, I get a ton of emails, as mm -hmm. we all do, during the day, and if you don't answer them right at the time or have, or have an answer for them, right. You tend to fall, let it fall through the cracks, and I did that. I responded to him early in the day, and I said, I'll get back to you at night, and didn't do that. So I really apologize to the person, <laughs> but I haven't heard from him since. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's story. a very valid point in, in yeah. terms of opportunities, too. I try to respond to everybody in every email that I get, even if it's just a I'll get back to you type of a response to the email, because you never know where that, that 
that opportunity is going to take you. A lot of us are busy. We do forget accidents do happen, but a lot of us also will say that I'm not going to do this because, you know, I don't believe that it's, I'm good enough for that thing or it's not, you know, the opportunity for me. And I don't know if you know that unless you're in, in it. Like, you can always back, to me, you can always back out. You can always say no. So I always respond. I always will say, all right, let's give this a shot or, you know, at least tweak it a little bit. And that's kind of how we got um, with the nonprofit to become an international thing. It was just like, all right, we saw a space, an opportunity. Someone had asked from, it was a client from Guam, had asked to be inside the, the our um, film festival. And we had one from South Africa. And at the time, it was like, you know, I responded back to it and was like, I don't know if we're ready organization-wise for it, but why not? Let's just try it, kind of like you did with the podcast, let's just jump in and see what happened. And now, because of that, we're in all these different countries, and it kind of exploded. And that's good. That's a good point. I want you to maybe address that for me. Let mm -hmm. me go to the other side of the mic for a second here and kind of interview you. But um, you just secured Belgium. Right. Right? Now, are you at the point where people people are reaching out to you, correct? Yes. yes. That, actually, that process actually started three years ago. It was a um, school in South Africa had asked to be in the, um, the competition, and we just—I just knew from an organizational standpoint, we just weren't ready for that yet. We had some other things that we needed to work out for it. But I responded back to that email. Was kind of—we were kind of keeping them at bay. Maybe next year, maybe next year. Maybe. We didn't say no. Um, but then once we had the contact in, in Guam, who also had these other contacts, so it kind of was like, all right, let's just see if we put them in there. And then all of a sudden this thing explodes um, up. So we've always got requests every year. It's just a matter of, can we handle it? Or does it fit into our corporate value system? Is this the space that we want to go into? So kind of like you, we're at the point now we're not asking people, they're asking us. We finally made that tipping point. Uh, we did the right piece. thing. Because the biggest mistake you could have made was to accept all these mm -hmm. offers and not be prepared to handle them properly. Mm -hmm. That, so. Glad you said that because we're going to jump ahead a little bit. But <laughs> the next one was talking about being ready for your opportunity. Um, it's one thing to go out and seek it, but I think it is also important to be ready for any opportunity. And it kind of goes in with your, your, your tool set and the things, your, your skill set and everything else. So I'm always trying to be ahead of where I am. So what's the, what's the next skill set can I develop? Am I ready? Is my family ready? Am I personally ready to attack any opportunity that comes? So I can make that decision, yes now, or maybe not right now, because personally I'm not ready. Um, I think a lot of us in our lives want things to happen and we want to be successful, but we're not really ready for that to happen. Even on a relationship level, I know I keep bringing back relationships because it's one of my favorite topics to talk about, but we want that uh, significant other, that perfect person when we're not that ourselves and we're not ready to be able to handle that and, and, and to be able to address that. So let's just talk about Gary, your career um, at that point. Did you feel like you were 100% ready for the, 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 I guess, let's leave education to the side, but the entertainment world, or was it one of those things where like, let me just try this and just see where it kind of goes, or you feel like you were personally ready for it? I guess the biggest, uh, biggest impact on what I'm doing now occurred maybe eight years ago, when within six months of one another, I was offered a book deal and a slot on History Channel. Now, the guest spot I did on History Channel came from a former student who is a psychologist and was a consultant for the show Hoarders. I think we've probably all seen Hoarders people mm -hmm. who have magazines going back to 1908. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. that. And uh, wow, I mean, I was intimidated a bit by it. You know, can I can I do this? Um, but History Channel, the production people steered me through everything. They sent me extensive notes, treated me like gold, and to be honest with you, maybe the most stressful 
time of my of this professional career was the actual taping, where I was in front of a camera in a hot studio, on air-conditioned studio in Brooklyn, New York. Kind of like this. Second floor. <laughs> it was much hotter in Brooklyn. It was the middle of July, uh, and under those hot lights, and was questioned for about 90 minutes nonstop, which was edited down to six minutes of airtime. Oh mm. <laughs> so, I mean, I felt like I was on, on the, on the cross-examination stand with all the questions, but they had steered me in the direction that they wanted me to go, so I felt uber-prepared. For, and I did it, and I felt so good about myself afterward that I felt I could do anything at this point. Very interesting point. Um, so my goal, my thing now is I would rather aim high and miss than aim low and hit. That's what I said in the last podcast, <laughs> I do believe, about um, I talked about grades and things. And I'm kind of the same way. Like, to me, I want to shoot super duper high. Exactly. If, you, if you miss, you, you're still going to be, you know, you're not going to be at the bottom, you know, you're, you're right. going to be somewhere, you might hit your target. So I'm always, I'm always a big dreamer. Like this, to me, this podcast is just a stepping stone to something greater and, and some great things are going to happen. Um, I do have a vision for it, but I'm not going to share it yet. Cause <laughs> I, I, share I, it with me. I don't want, <laughs> I, the reason I'm not sharing it with you because I don't want to scare you yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's coming though. Um, but being ready is is, is a key um, in, in terms of being ready to seize any opportunity. Um, you may not feel like you're personally ready, but I think that inner lion that we talked about earlier kind of kicks in. And that having that mentality of I have to do this helps tremendously when it comes to, to those opportunities. And what you'll find in life is once, you, once you've done that, the floodgates opportunities are going to start opening up. And then you're going to get to that point where people are asking you to do things and you're going to get to that point where you're going to have to make that decision can I maneuver, excuse me, maneuver in that space or not, um, which is really important. I want to go back because um, I believe that failure also brings in opportunity um, and people are afraid to fail and uh, afraid to do certain things. But I think um, some of my biggest failures in my life have opened up so many opportunities for me. Um, so I kind of want both of you guys to think about a failure. It doesn't have to be super, super big, but a failure that you eventually learn something from and kind of seized on an opportunity. So I'm going to start with you, Stacey, because you look good. around like... <laughs> well, I have, good. I already mentioned I did a couple of the work from home things, and I didn't really put in the work because I didn't have the passion for it, but I thought it would work if I half-assed it, which didn't work. Um, but from that is where I really started to learn about personal development, because I think before I started doing those opportunities, I really didn't know what that was. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought the self-help section was like the section you didn't want to be seen at in Barnes & Noble because people would be staring at you, right. like, we want to stay away from her. <laughs> but I found that those books and stuff like that are very helpful, and they have started making things click in my brain. Like, like you said, like, I can aim higher than this, and mm -hmm. I can do more than this. And I'm not still aiming maybe at the top, but I'm definitely aiming higher than I was right. a long time ago. Right. So those failures did propel me into bettering myself mm -hmm. and changing the way I think about things. Mm -hmm. My failures have opened opportunities for me to meet people. And I, I think that's where my opportunities started to grow because I had a, me and my wife had a um, photography business where we were doing weddings and things of that nature. And it kind of just wasn't, my heart wasn't in it and I kind of failed at it and the product wasn't great. But in that, I met so many different people and doing different spaces and that I was able to make contacts and then go into a little bit more into TV, working at ESPN, working at ABC, even that experience to me was somewhat of a failure because I didn't go as high as I wanted to go within that industry, but I developed 
certain skills in that that arena i met certain people and it's kind of getting me to this journey to where where i am right now so i've i've failed a whole lot me and my brothers had tried to start other businesses with electronics and coding and stuff and just failed and my wife was like you're always trying to do something and it's just not working out I'm, yes the business did not go the way we wanted to go but i learned so much from that 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 you know situation um, now I'm applying those things to the nonprofit, trying to apply those things to the empowerment perspective group. Um, so to me, failure opens up opportunity. So uh, I don't mind failing. You know, to me, failure is not trying. That's failure. Um, so you go in there, you try, and if it may not end up the way you want it, there is a lesson that, that can be learned in there, and you can just need to explore those opportunities. I think I was on the cusp of failing as a teacher before I started in DHT. Uh, I was teaching math. Boy, this is true confession time. Isn't yes, it? I, mean, I love it. Demisa, what you're doing to I me? I love it. <laughs> I'm opening it's up. It's true ceremony at Woodard. It's, <laughs> it's more than just each two. I'll tell you that. But I, I felt I'd gone as far as I could as a math teacher. Hmm. I was teaching math at a very small school in Cumberland County. I don't know, circa 1980, 81, I guess. And <laughs> you'll laugh at this. One day, I guess it was a grant, the school got one solitary computer. It was a Radio Shack TRS-80. We used to call them Trash 80s, remember that? <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you do in 1980 with a computer with its little black and white monitor? Uh -huh. Any programming was that was done, it was saved on cassette tape yeah. back then. And there weren't so no the programs. So the floppy disk wasn't even invented wasn't at even this point. Invented. It was all tape. <laughs> so they put this thing in the main office, and it sat there for a couple of months. It was the tail end of the school year, and I finally went up to the principal, and I said, what are you going to do with this computer? You know, it's gathering space and no one's using it. And he goes, I really don't know. I said, look, if you want to free my schedule up, if you can somehow free my schedule up for consecutive periods, I'll tackle it. Hmm. And they did that for the next school year where after lunch I had no, no classes. But I was assigned to that computer to just try to learn the computer. Mm -hmm. So I started to teach myself the programming language called BASIC. And I fell in love with it. So the next step was, all right, now that I'm developing an interest and a love for it, where do I take this? Hmm. So I contacted a friend of mine, I used to play semi-pro baseball, and I contacted a friend of mine who was in a new industry called computer consulting hmm. for businesses that wanted to get into computers. Called him, the fellow since passed on, and I miss him because he was so dear to me. And I said, what do I do? What's the next step? I said, should I go to one of these adult schools at night and get a quick fix, six months, and learn, and then be able to go out and teach it? Mm -hmm. He goes, Gary, it's not the answer. He goes, go back to college. Well, you know what? I had gotten my degree. I had a degree in poli-sci. I just got a teaching certificate. Mm -hmm. And to hear someone say, go back to college, was not the, <laughs> was not the answer that I wanted. But it was the right answer. Huh. So I ended up going back to Glassboro. I'll never be wrong in the midst. Always going to Glassboro. Uh -huh. <laughs> Glassboro State. Glassboro State, right? It was Glassboro State Teachers College. Oh, wow. And I ended up getting the certificate in data processing, which took me, of course, several years, and that opened doors for me. Wow. So where I felt myself really, you know, just fusing out in terms of being a classroom teacher, mm -hmm. being able to get involved in new technology and bring that mm -hmm. to, to, to students and to schools was was just life changing right. for me. Now, I think we're in a different age and time because technology is... Well, you and I are in a different age and time, <laughs> yeah. I know that. Technology is way, way more advanced. And, and I'm coming from the space of a lot of people are waiting to be validated. Like, they feel like they have to go to school to get this certificate and have to get this, you know, uh, degree in order 
before they can go do this. And I tell kids all the time, like, if you want to be, especially middle school kids right now, if you want to own a business, what's your business? I want to be a photographer. Start right now. Like, why are you waiting for someone to validate that, yes, you are, are now a business owner. You can go out and do these things. We live in a time right now where anyone can do almost anything that they want right now. So if, if our audience is listening to this, I, I you know, I, I will say just Jump in and dive in. If that's what you want to go do, go do it. Now, there's certain professions you have to be certified, like a doctor, a teacher, and things. I get all that. But there's a lot of professions where you just need to go out there and go out there and get it. Um, which brings us to the next point is my philosophy is that you have to currently live like you're already at that next level. So in my brain, right now, I'm an assistant principal. In my brain, I'm my principal. So I'm going to move and shake and do things that principals would do. And at some level, you know, the assistant superintendent would do. So in my brain, where I am right now is just a moment in time. Even with this podcast, it's just a moment in time. Again, I have a vision. I'm not sharing that yet with Stacy, But in my brain, we're already there. We're already in front of thousands of people. And thousands of people <laughs> doing something. Um, so I would encourage everyone to start living as if you are past that. A lot of us are not happy in our current careers and, and lives and positions because we're, you know, you feel like we're better than this thing. But I feel like we have to start living like you're at that next level. And that's how you're going to start to get to that next, that next level. <clears throat> Share a quick story that I heard from Russell Simmons. I think it was in his book, um, Super Rich. But he, he shared a story about a guy who wanted to be in, in television industry. He wanted to make movies. He, he lived in New York and he wanted a handout. Russell Simmons was like, I'm not giving you a handout. You want to figure out, I'll teach you how to get to that particular point. I'm not going to give you a handout. He said, you want to make movies, you got to go where people make movies. So he went to L.A., got his money, got into the bus, went out there and started working actually at an ice cream stand. He said, when you get out there, I want you to treat that job like you already, you know, the, the movie producer. And I want you to treat everybody um, and do that job 100%. So he's out there, you know, with the ice cream, with the happiest service and all those things of that nature. Someone comes in who owns a clothing store. He said, I, I like your attitude, I like your energy, come work for me. So he goes to the clothing store, same attitude, same energy, he's always thinking that I'm gonna be this film produ producer, someone comes in there, says, you know what, I like your style, what you wear, I want you to come to this party. Goes to the party, <laughs> and there's all these film execs there. So he goes in the party with the same attitude and the same thing like I'm already at the next level, and that's how he's able to work himself back all the way up to become one of a great film producer, uh, director. Russell Simmons didn't tell me his name in, in the book, but um, it's in that book. But it's living like you're already in tomorrow, already in that space. So the, one of the things that I can encourage our listeners to do is just stop pretending like this is the final destination. Like you're, tomorrow there's going to be something else. So Stacy, get ready. This podcast is not the final destiny. I didn't think it was. It's going to that next that is, level. That's a great story. It really is. And I kind of, you know, yeah, rush through it a little bit, but that mentality is that's huge. fantastic. It is, but I think it is hard for people to get out of the way they've been living. It's hard to think that if you're feeling like you're at a rock bottom or a low point, how do you flip your mind to think um, I'm not in that low point anymore? I'm doing it. like it's hard to make that switch. But if you stay there mentally, that's where you're going to stay. You know what I mean? If you're gonna you're gonna have that mentality that I'm at rock bottom and this is it and this is the only thing that is ever gonna be, that you'll never ever get to that next level. Um, through my book, I talk about my personal life and and when I was in that situation, that life or death situation for me, I still had that vision of tomorrow. Like I know this this is not the final destination for me. If I would have stayed there, I just would have accepted it. We just would have been. I probably still would have been living in the same situation, being abused. I probably would have turned into an abuser myself because that's just part of the process um, for a lot of people. Um, so getting that mentality 
out of it. It's, it's, it's huge. You, that vision board plays a big piece in it and that mindset. Um, and these transitions are working lovely today because the next uh, segment that we're talking about is how negativity blinds your opportunity. Mm -hmm. That negative thinking won't allow you to recognize opportunities that are out there. Um, so if one or both of you can take us to a particular point in time where you just had that negative outlook and was like, and, you, and there were opportunities that you've missed. If anyone can shed some light on missed opportunities. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can. And this goes back to when I was 16. I can't believe he's got me telling stories in <laughs> <of> my life. <laughs> yes. We should have you on a couch next time. <laughs> yeah, I a leather exactly. couch. Yeah, I'm going to go sit in that couch. I can't believe it. Uh, and I missed this opportunity, and I still think about it. 16 years old. But I could play some baseball. I was a left-handed pitcher, and I brought it up there in a hurry. And I had the opportunity to sign a contract with the Detroit Tigers. Wow. But there was no bonus attached to it. Hmm. Now, if you if you sign mm -hmm. as a right-handed pitcher for the Detroit Tigers, and you get a bonus of $500,000, and Gary Monterosso signs a left-handed pitcher getting zero bonus, and there's an issue, and maybe I get injured, you get injured. Who gets cut first? Well, Monterosso does because there's no money, no money invested in him. Yeah. But I could have had the opportunity. I could have had that chance. Wow. Right? Now, it wasn't, it, it's not just on me. It's not on my dad. My dad said, you know, not a good idea. Don't do this. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to be cut. You'll be the first one to go. Mm -hmm. And he's right. He was right. But you always wonder, what if? Mm -hmm. What if I didn't hurt mm -hmm. my arm? I, in fact, did hurt my arm right, later, right. but I, I brought it up there in a hurry, D. I, right. I, could, I could throw. Wow. I was age 16. I did not know that about well, I, Guys who I grew up with, I mean, if you look at some of my Facebook contacts, yeah. we're talking about baseball and, awesome. and going back to the old days and yeah. how we could play and so on. And, uh, so many of the people that I, that I played with back then signed. Wow. Uh, like, you know, Larry Milborn with the uh, Astros, Yankees, and Phillies, you know, was wow. part of our group. A guy named Mike Favaretto signed with Philadelphia. Huh. Yeah, several people from my era. It was a, there was a good baseball played back, right. back then. I kind of feel the same way because I, I played college football well, at Temple football, right. for a little go. bit, mm -hmm. and then I quit. Um, and then now looking back at it, I have friends that have gone off to the NFL or at least had uh, opportunities to, to play you know, and, and try out for those teams. So I, I try to not live my life with any regrets, but that's the one thing that I was like, I wish I would have finished doing. And I kind of am envious of the, the, my friends that you know finished and did those things. But um, I made that decision because for academic reasons, but um, that I, I feel the the same situation. <laughs> like, what if I would have stayed what in if? there? I could have. Think about it every night. Stuff. I swear to God, I do. I think about it every night. <laughs> I go to bed at night, and I pray. I pray, and, and because of the heart surgery, and again, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm on a soapbox. And I apologize. I don't pray for things. I I I I pray to give thanks. Right. And I ask for health for myself, for my friends, for my family, because. You can have 20 million bucks, man, but if you don't have the health, it right. doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter, right. you know. But you, you, know, you go back and, you, and then you think about your parents and the influence that, the positive influence that they had in my life, mm -hmm. how much they and my grandparents meant to me. Mm. And, you know, playing ball with my dad in the yard, he had even mapped out a whole plan for me come mm. February, how we would lob. He would give me a softball to lob because you would get the feel right. of a bigger ball. When you picked up a baseball, it right. felt like a, like a golf ball, Wow! you know? Right. And we mapped out a plan from February through the, through the, through the spring, because right. I think he saw talent in it. Right. 
you know, and, and then that led to thinking about my career playing ball. And I played till I was 30, so my pro ball. Wow, that's very ball interesting. Doing, you know, it was fun doing it, but, you know, you just always think, what what if? We have a professional athlete on yeah, our show today. No, 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 no. <laughs> we, we, we pseudo-professional athlete. <laughs> but you bring up something that brings me to my next point about opportunities. It won't last forever. Um, and I, I posted something on today's lesson on, on Facebook about uh, milk and how we go shopping. Right, and then we go in there and we look for the expiration date. We kind of try go. Oh, I want the one all the way in the back because it's you know the, the expiration date is a little bit farther away. <laughs> I'm not the only one that does that. I'm <laughs> the weirdo pulling them all out. Yeah. All the time. Uh, uh, so I shuffle them around on purpose. So that, you know, <laughs> I, don't that. <laughs> I don't really do that. He's but. the guy doing that when I go shopping. That's why I'm always buying the old stuff. But at some point, that milk is going to expire. And I feel like opportunity is the same way. And, you know, you get presented with opportunities. It's important, one, to be ready, but also important to, to jump on those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, it's not going to be there forever. Um, and and I think a lot of people are waiting, again, for that perfect scenario where they feel like, you know, I'm not ready to, to make that, that jump. But that opportunity is not going to be there forever. That expiration is, is, is going gonna, is gonna to go away. Kind of like when I look at me playing Temple and playing football, like, you know, that opportunity was there I can't go back I can't you know go play college football again even though I got like three years of eligibility left but I'm 40 <laughs> years old That's not um, but those opportunities are, are, are not going to be there forever you are not looking to the nonprofit thing and the international thing uh, you know that situation with that with Guam that opened up it would they would have found another film festival at some point in time so recognizing your opportunities also jumping on them while you have that opportunity to jump on them um, it's also important. So it won't, it won't last um, forever. Um, the next point I wanted to get to is pay attention and find what's in your lane. Goes back to your skill set and the things that you have. And I, I preach this all the time. Kind of stay in your lane. One, and I think once you find your gift in life, it's easier to do that. Like, to, I'm not an engineer. My brother's an engineer. That's not my lane. Even though I could probably sit down. I think I'm smarter than him. I hope he's listening to this. But uh, I think I can sit down and figure out how to do some certain things as far as what engineers do. But that's not my lane. So a lot of people, I think, are going it about life and careers and things and stuff that they're not meant to do. And they're just kind of fighting it because either their parents wanted them to do it or their husband or wife wanted them to do it. And that is just not your lane. And the way that you feel that way or how you recognize it, it feels uncomfortable. You hate going to work every day. You don't like what you do. It's hard to do what you do because you're not, your heart's not in it. I think it's important for people to be able to stay in your lane. Let's talk about education for a moment mm-hmm. as it comes to that. So you have a teacher, for example, who's been in his or her district for 10 years, mm-hmm. is well-established, has tenure, which is so important. And they may go to work every day saying, God, I hate what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but look at the money I'm making. Look at the security that I have. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all we've all seen that, mm-hmm. and I was there. I'll say that to you. I was mm-hmm. there in you know in the 1980s. Right. No, no question about that. But it's definitely a scary, scary process. I even went through that in television. Like you know, the the money that I was making, the position that I had, it was, it was but it felt so uncomfortable to me. And I was like, this is not my lane. Like this is not where I'm supposed to be. Yes, I'm going to take this massive pay cut when I go into the education and only make like $35,000 a year. Thank God I didn't have any children at the time because I don't know how I would be able to provide for them. But I just knew it didn't feel right. And then I finally got into a space where it felt right. And then kind of, you know, things started happening and other opportunities started happening. Um, so 
Stacey, when you talk about those opportunities that you had in terms of the uh, work from home, things of that nature, I think part of that was that wasn't your lane. It was definitely not my lane at all. And I, what I've noticed, and it's, I'm not trying to like throw shade on that whole industry, but it doesn't throw seem shit. like it's a lot of people's lanes. Like I've, I've made friends on Facebook with certain people that I was involved with, and to watch them jump from opportunity to opportunity, to, they don't stay with anything long. They're, they, and I don't feel comfortable doing that. I don't feel like me trying to sell or push some lifestyle on you if I'm not living that lifestyle myself, I can't honestly try to sell it to anybody else. And I feel some of those people, like if I jumped from opportunity to opportunity, I would have to lose all credibility. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel some of these people are like. Mm -hmm. And they do, they still bring a ton of people on board, probably make good money right up front, and then they all move on to a different opportunity mm -hmm. and that person brings all those people with them. So I was kind of disenchanted with the whole thing, seeing what I've seen unfold. Um, the only thing I really regret not finishing is college. I'm, uh, I should have probably manned up and finished up, but I didn't. But you still have the opportunity to do so. I do. But now I don't know what I would even go for. College. <laughs> That's a good point, though. A lot of people it's just... A lot of money to not know, what, know what they're going for. I'll, I'll go with your uh, door number two that you're hiding from me <laughs> over there. I think I'll bank you on that. <laughs> I was talking with um, one of the behind-the-scenes employees at our company, SNJ Today, a girl who recently graduated from college and now she's involved in the social media, the part of the business. Basically, what she does is to monitor what people are posting about shows on the station. And she's monitoring for content and for, um, well, for, for content. But one thing I, I said to her, I asked her as I, as I got to know her, I said, how long do you plan on staying with this if you can gauge this right now? So we were the company maybe six months or so. And he said, well, I'd like to stay for a few years and then evaluate what my options may be. And I said, you know, I think that's great because in the long run, people a lot of times look at resumes and look at the work that you've done. And they see every two, three months you're going to a brand new job. Mm -hmm. Where's the stability? Mm -hmm. You know? Mm. <laughs> now, you're, you're laughing on that, but... You've seen it. I've seen it. I'm laughing exactly. because, you know, I've interviewed yeah. hundreds of people yeah. and I asked the same question. Like, and, and I try to take a back seat because I feel like those people at the same time are trying to figure out what their lane is, too. And I feel like, you know, they're, they're part of the reasons why they're bouncing back and forth. One, they don't know what their gift is and they're trying to find their lane. Um, but as, a, as an educator um, and someone that hires educators, I, I do look at the consistency piece. Um, because I, I want to know how long you're going to stay with us, and, you know, in, in, the, in the long run. Um, but also, if there, is there consistency at least in the types of jobs that you're doing? Mm -hmm. I don't mind you bouncing around because if you're, you've been a teacher and we started at a charter school, it just wasn't right fit for you and you bounced and they did those things. At least it's kind of in the same uh, industry. I had people that went from banking to restaurants to trying to be teachers or, you know, studied psychology and then wanted to be a teacher or studied engineering and wanted to be a teacher. And I'm questioning, like, all right, do I trust you around? So is that a red, that's a red flag when you see that? That's a red flag yeah. for me, mm -hmm. um, just in terms of, again, that's not necessarily the bouncing around, but mm -hmm. is it a consistency in terms of, or at least do I see a progression? Now, people ask mm -hmm. that all the time of me. You went from TV to education, like, it's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that there's a consistency, the stuff that I was doing outside of TV. Mm -hmm. So you look at my volunteer experiences, you look at the fact that I've substituted from pre-K all the way up and the coaching, like there was always a lane of service underneath of all of that. Um, and then the TV thing, 
I just, to be honest with you, I picked it because I wanted to be different than my brothers. <laughs> so the one actually was a teacher, and That's one of the, and I was a radio host actually, and the other one's an engineer. And I was like, well, I don't want to be like the, either one of them because I don't want to live. I'm tired of living in your shoes. Let me just go find something else. So then TV kind of just appeared for me. So it wasn't like I had this dream to be. But again, when I was in that space, it was so uncomfortable because that was just not my gift that I needed to go back in. So. To get back to your question, I, it is a red flag for me if it's not consistent, um, or at least there has to be something that leads you to that particular point. Mm -hmm. um, I was talking to another friend of mine, and who actually Dr. Uh, Stephanie Iglesias, who was on this podcast a couple episodes ago, and we started talking about um, her role in the organization and, and how I go about building a team. And I said, I don't really trust a lot of people um, to live, I guess, what my dream would be. So I also look for people that have common interests. I look for consistency, which is part of the reason why Stacy's here because what she posted and her, her, her vision and things that she talks about fits what I believe this company is going to hopefully evolve into. So that consistency and that, that fit is, is important. The other piece that I look at is are you the right person for this bus? Right, we talk about, I can't remember the author off the top of my head, but he talks about driving a bus. I think it might be Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell too. Driving this bus. You gotta have the right people on the bus, right people in the seats, the right person driving it. If you're not a fit for that bus, you're not gonna get on that bus. You're not gonna be able to part of that company. You're not gonna be, you're not gonna be successful there. So having that right fit is, is important as well. Um, let's move on. We're running out of time here a little bit. I'm gonna talk about this all day long. Um, the one point that I wanted to drive, and it's kind of a, a constant theme that we talked about here, is this. When it comes to opportunities, don't be afraid to jump out the sky. Just let it happen. Go for it. You never know where you're going to land. Um, I just live by the motto either I'm going to fly or I'm going to hit the ground. So <laughs> in your kitchen. So, <laughs> so that's, that's, what, that's what my motto is. I want to move into faith in humanity. Um, even though, Gary, you, you took the cake earlier with, with your story, I don't know if I can top that. So I'm going to get a little bit, little bit more uh, personal here and share a somewhat of a story with you, at least my feelings towards, towards you, Gary, when I first got into education. And, and you recognize, well, I recognize people that have you know, that deep soul and a caring soul, and I kind of gravitate to those people. When I went into the school, I'm not going to say the name of the school, at first, it was an intimidation factor. I'm a new assistant principal, don't know what I'm doing type thing, and just kind of jumping out the sky. And I was looking for people to kind of gravitate to, to sort of show me the roots of how the culture and climate of the school was. And then I saw you in there, and you were a computer teacher at the time, and then your personality and just the, your warmth and how you connect with people, it, it drew me in. But it drew me into the point where we became group friends and a story, and hopefully I'm not going too far with this, um, I remember I was on vacation with my family and uh, I got a phone call from you and you were on your way to the hospital at the time and it tore me up so bad that I couldn't leave to be there um, with you at that particular time. Um, so my faith in humanity story is just your ability to connect with people and how you are with people and your genuine love and respect for people is something that I try to carry and it's something that you've taught me um, on a daily basis on how I go about dealing with people on, 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 a, on a daily uh, basis. So I thank you for that. I didn't mean to get too emotional, but I felt like I needed to share that story with you because I haven't thank had so an opportunity to talk about. More to me than you'll ever recognize, honestly. I'm, I'm really, I'm touched, thank you. 
<laughs> this is the first time that ever happened here. Gary Monteroso is a loss for words. Wow. First and last, thank you. Thank you. I told you another story. <laughs> story time about when my daughter was on a field trip to Washington. Uh -huh. Remember that story I told you? No, she was in sixth grade, and I went along as a parent, mm -hmm. you know, watching all the kids, you know, and uh, we're in a McDonald's in D.C. I think it was a two-story McDonald's, mm -hmm. a massive facility. And I didn't sit next to her and her and her friends because I don't want to be that type of dad, but close enough that I could watch her. And I happened to see a fella who again appeared in need. Mm -hmm. All right. And that's what the girls get done eating. Girls get up and leave, and all of a sudden the man, obviously he'd seen that I was watching them and maybe watching him, walks up to me and he said, Sir, are you with those girls? And I said, yes, I am. He said, and then he comes from behind him. He said, well, one of them left a camera there, and I want to give this to you. And in his other hand was a Bible. And I said to myself, and I think I told my wife and my daughter at the time, you know, Jesus comes in many forms. Mm. I said, Jesus just spoke to me. Mm. I do remember you telling you me remember story. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I guess what I heard from that, <laughs> If I didn't already know it, and again, I'm a whole different creature than I was maybe 30, 40 years ago. Really am. I'm, I feel I'm much more compassionate than I was back then. Maybe because I sensed my own mortality about a year or so ago. But it's, a, it's an evolution, mm -hmm. let's face it. But I learned, maybe that's why I gave the food to the, the homeless guy. Don't prejudge anyone based mm -hmm. on appearance. Mm -hmm. You know, he had the raggedy clothes mm -hmm. and he appeared homeless. And he probably was, maybe he wasn't, but he probably was. But just judge every treat everyone the way they treat you right right and he was he was peaceful and he came to me and he was honest right you know who am i to deny him i said this is this is jesus wow wow that's Don't be a lesson. that's really another episode on another podcast <laughs> about how we treat people but um that's definitely um at least the way i live my life i i, I try to just treat people again how they treat me but more so uh, based upon the circumstances and not necessarily trying to prejudge anybody and just trying to see what circumstances they are in and how can I help them and how can I learn from them as well. Um, so I don't want to put you on the spot, faith and humanity story or anything that you want to share in faith and humanity. That one was a little touching. I can't top any of these. <laughs> I can't top any of these. I'm not even going to try it. Listen. I'll, I'll get one for you. I'm older than both you guys, so I have more stories than I could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you you're definitely for, for the forgiven on this one, Stacey. <laughs> We're going to say that the Arizona Cardinals will have a faith in humanity story for the Eagles today, as I feel like they're going to give them the gift of, of losing, um, unfortunately. Hopefully, the Cardinals will. We do have a Temple alum on that team uh, playing linebacker. He's oh, actually okay. from Camden, uh, oh, right. right around the corner. So I'm rooting for the Cardinals for that reason, but also because... I'm not an Eagles fan, and I need them to lose. Um, the last thing we want to talk about, Stacey, we want to talk about the fundraiser that we got coming up, hopefully. Yes, yes we are going to set up a GoFundMe account to try to raise some money to help some local families in need for the holiday season. And we figured the earlier we can get it out, maybe the more good we can do. Mm -hmm. Because when I know when I try to do some charity work towards the holidays, I'm on a tight budget mm -hmm. at that point. Um, so we definitely want to get this out and maybe get with some local churches or schools and see where we can do some good for some families that are struggling. What's our, our goal? Are we telling it on, on this? We're going we're we're gonna gonna, to reveal it right now. We're going to go big. Because I was not, when I was typing it up, I started kind of small. And I was like, well, Denise is not going to go with this. Like, it's, he's going to say, Stacey, you're too small. Again, thinking <laughs> too small. 
So we're setting it at $2,500. $2,500. And we're trying to feed people uh, during the Thanksgiving season as well as the Christmas season as yes. well, right? So we're going to do um, a fundraiser coming up. Again, uh, the empowerment perspective is about empowering people. We know we do recognize that there are people that are out there struggling or less fortunate than us. And we just want to um, help those you know, people um, in the communities that we live in um, and, and beyond. And hopefully we can feed a lot of families. $2,500 will feed a lot of families for mm -hmm. the holiday season. 100% um, of those proceeds will go directly to that. We do not keep any of that um, for the empowerment perspective. Um, we will go out and buy the food and we'll come up with a, a list. My wife said I can help, she can help with the shopping because I'm I not a shopping. I pies. I can bake pies. Listen, <laughs> listen. We want to have a bake off here. Is that what we're going to no, do? No, I need my mom's help if I'm baking a pie. <laughs> but now we're going to try to uh, raise that money. So be on the lookout for that information when we come out more on it on the website soon. Um, the next podcast will definitely pump it up. But we're shooting for twenty five hundred so that we can feed some families. And then on the back end of that, yes, we're gonna hit your pockets again. We're gonna do a fundraiser for pediatric cancer. Um, so as many of you know, uh, my nephew is a cancer survivor. Um, he's currently, hopefully, finishing up his round of chemo. So I wanna do something to honor him and those people and those families that are struggling with that because it's something that is close to me um, and that, that, that has affected my family. So we're, we're doing a lot of things here at the Palmer Perspective. Um, podcast so we just need your help and we're asking for you to give a little bit and let and continue to listen any last thoughts mr monteroso i'm, I'm spent i mean this is true confessions for me <laughs> me. you brought stories out that i thought were hidden and way back in the dark recesses of my mind i didn't think i'd be sharing these with too many people but now it's out there and i can't take it back so it was very emotional for me each i can tell you that man i hope it was, it was in, in a good me. way so. oh yeah oh yeah all positive there's no such thing as bad days in my life. Every day's a good day. Awesome. Every day's a good day. Stacy, any last words? Go Eagles. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. No more podcasts. We're done. It's a wrap. <laughs> no, I'm good. I think this was a very empowering episode. I I loved his stories today, Gary's stories that he shared, and I think you know you might be able to get him with a therapy bill on that. I don't know. Huh. Well, I might have messed him up. I might not have helped him. <laughs> I messed him up even more. Yeah. Well, listen. I hope I, that I, I I like to think I'm in a different place than I was 20 years ago, and you're inspiring. That you said you're still striving for more. I think that's fantastic, and you're following your dreams. So I'm yeah. not done yet. I don't. I didn't think you are. No. <laughs> I had the surgery last year, but I said I'm, I'm not done. I have more. I, I want to do. One last plug for your um, show. Thank What's you. on tap? What's on tap? You can catch it online. SNJToday.com. What's on tap? All right, Gary, I definitely thank you for stopping by. I'm honored to be invited. Thank you so much. All right, and um, on behalf of Stacy and myself, we thank you guys for listening to this opportunity, our podcast about opportunity. If you didn't learn anything, please sharpen those skills and also go after your opportunities and recognize them and don't be afraid to jump out the sky. Um, this has been another episode of the Empowerment Podcast Perspective. Stay empowered.